you're not trying to always get somebody to a yes, right? We're not coming from a lack mindset. You don't need every person in the world to be your customer. You want the right people that's also right for them to enter into this opportunity. And when you learn how to use your words to influence and impact a conversation in a way that serves both of you, then you really are showing up prepared to the conversation to truly help somebody make a decision. And I think it's important to remember sometimes that decision is no, because it's not the best decision for both of you at that time. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life, and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Hello, and welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. As always, it is such an honor to have you here with me today. And this episode is so much fun. My guest today is Nicole Kramer, and she is an entrepreneurial-based sales coach, keynote speaker, corporate sales trainer, and an exactly what to say certified guide. So as I'm sure you can guess, a majority of our conversation was all around the art of selling, what makes a great salesperson, what makes a great sales conversation, how to close sales calls, whether or not you should do enrollment calls. And we also talk about a new edge that Nicole is facing in her own life and business and where she's niching down in her 
in her business and what the inspiration was for her to become a digital nomad, which she has been for almost two years now. So this is a fun, lighthearted conversation and Nicole delivers so much value. And if you are an entrepreneur and you want to get really, really good at how to do discovery calls, sales calls, if you go to the link in the show notes, you will see a free resource and it is her discovery call script, which will give you a step-by-step on how to do discovery calls. So Nicole's coaching and training company was founded with the intention to help entrepreneurs remove the challenges and fears around selling and learn how to use conversations to make more sales get more clients, and have a bigger impact in the world. She left a very successful seven-year corporate sales career in order to pursue this passion full-time. Nicole helps entrepreneurs, sales professionals, and corporations to master their authentic sales process, achieve success, and maximize their sales wins by bringing the art of communication to a whole new level. Without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Nicole. Nicole, welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. It's such an honor to have you here. And as we were just chatting before hitting record, something that I really value and appreciate just in the few conversations that we've had is your core value of freedom and how fun and playful you make that. Because I think for some people, freedom can feel a little bit ungrounded or unrooted, and um, but you just wear it like perfectly. So I, I love that about you. And I'm just I'm excited for this conversation. Thank you. I'm excited for it too, because we've had so many quality conversations off the record that I feel like this is going to be incredibly valuable um, to, to be here in this capacity and, and having this conversation with you. I agree. So on that note, what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? Oh, that's a really good question. I think given that I have been such a nomad for now a couple of years, maybe the most courageous thing I've done is stayed in one place for <laughs> the past eight to nine months. Um, and I think one of the other really big, boldly courageous things that I've done is I've acknowledged and honored that there are some shifts happening in my life and in my business. And I am allowing and surrendering to them uh, even though it's scary, even though I don't necessarily know the next steps, it's it feels a little crazy, but also courageous to say, okay, let's go. Let's let's mm. like I, I honor this up level. I honor what's going on. I'm I'm gonna be a willing participant. I want to dive into that. And I also want to talk about being nomadic because I'm literally about to about to do that. So what was the inspiration for you? Like what was life like before you decided to become a digital nomad? And what was the catalyst for you to make that decision? So you mentioned it earlier, my probably highest core value of all really is freedom. And freedom for me is like a sense of adventure, exploration, not feeling like I'm tied down to anything. For a lot of us, I think during the pandemic, it brought up a lot of thoughts and ideas and questions about how we were living our lives. And I lived in California for 17 years. I grew up in Ohio. And part of my reason to move to California from Ohio is I didn't want to wake up one day in Ohio and wonder why I'd never left. I knew that there was a big world out there and I wanted to explore it. And California had always been uh, on my list. I, I just always loved it. I thought it was a really cool place. And so I moved there with that idea of, I don't want to wake up and wonder why I stayed in one place forever. Then here I am in California for 17 years. And I realized, oh my gosh, as much as I love California, I've kind of done the same thing that I was afraid of doing 
in Ohio. And my heart is not complete with California. I'm sure that I will be back there, but I realized I've basically given myself location freedom by creating my own business and leaving my corporate job. And now that I have this location freedom, I'm not using it yet. And so a lot of these questions and these thoughts came up during the pandemic. And at the beginning of 2021, it was January of 2021, I was on a retreat with my mastermind and it was a soul first strategy, second retreat, Mm. which means although it was a business mastermind that we were in, we talked a lot about if we aren't honoring our soul's desires, our soul's calling, what really our soul is speaking to us about, no strategy matters right? Nothing that we're doing in our business matters. And so it was a very, it was full of very deep conversations uh, that came like, you know, through as what am I doing? Do I really want to be here anymore? Like, and I just realized in those conversations, I actually wasn't living in a way that was satisfying to me anymore. And I really felt that urge to be free. And it was interesting because one of my mastermind sisters that was in the retreat with me, she and I both said, okay, we're going to change our lives. We're going to completely do something different. And for her, that meant moving to Mexico. For me, that meant being a nomad. And by July of 2021, so about six, seven months later, I had sold everything I owned, given up the place where I lived and packed my car and hit the road. And also around that same time was when my mastermind sister had moved to Mexico. So we both, it was, it was cool to have another person going through the the process with me in her own way. But that's really where it came from. I was like, let me just leave California for a while. And to be honest, I had a lot of trips coming up that following year. So I wasn't going to be in California that often anyway. So it just made it easy to be like, let me jump. Let me just Mm -hmm. go try this out for a while. And when you were in that process, was there any like feelings of like, what if I'm homeless or what if I can't figure this out? Like, how did you navigate that? Yeah. Like, what if my whole business falls apart? Right. Because I'm not in a structured routine, which I don't know that structure and routine are necessarily words that I would like, I I would liberally apply them to my life, right? I have enough of a routine and enough structure that I, I make it work and I'm successful, but there is an element of uncertainty living a lifestyle that I'd never really effectively lived. I'd never actually been a nomad. So there was that question of like, I don't know, can I, because I was also traveling to all these different time zones. It's not like I was just like leaving and then things stayed the same. It's like, I was in Italy. I was in Mexico. I was all over the United States. So can I manage my business in different time zones, no matter where I am? Can I still have effective team meetings so that my team knows what they need to be doing? And there was this fear of like, if I'm running off all around the world, are they going to think, you know, like, I don't know that a lot of, a lot of, unchecked thoughts started to come in and I had to really check myself and, um, there was some growth there for sure. So yeah, those concerns definitely came up of like, what if everything falls apart? What if I can't figure this out? What if, I don't know that, what if I'm homeless ever really crossed my mind? Fortunately, (laughs) I have a family that I, I feel like probably would never let it get to that point. But, um, but yeah, for sure. There was a lot of, uh, doubts and questions. And so as you've been like living this digital nomad life, if if you reflect back on it, what's been maybe the biggest lesson you've learned or maybe something that was unexpected that came up through this whole process for you? I think that there came a point as much as I love freedom and adventure where I did crave a little bit more routine for a while. And, you know, my whole goal was to end up in Nashville, Tennessee, so that I could try living here for a while 
and I'm still in an Airbnb. So it's not like I've made any permanent decisions, but I've been able to be more permanent because I've been in the same Airbnb for quite some time. So I think that surprised me that I, it's, it's like, I equated it to this recently when I was talking to somebody, it's like, I was really hungry for adventure and travel. And then after doing it for about a year and a half, I became satiated. I, I was, I had been fed and I needed a little bit of a more stable, more routine way of being for a while. And I think that surprised me because I was happy to kind of be in one place for a while. And, you know, now I'm starting to feel the itch again. I'm like, do I want to go somewhere else? Do I want to do something else? But, um, I think that was a pleasant surprise because it's also been nice to spend a lot of time in Nashville and meet new people and have new experiences. So speaking of meeting new people, do you find that it's hard? Like, do you ever get lonely? Like, do you find that it's like hard to build community or like wish that you just had someone to co-work with or like, what about dating? Is that even in the picture for you? Like, how do you navigate all that? Yes, yes, yes. And yes, (laughs) all of those things. Um, I don't think it was a huge surprise to me that it might be difficult to make adult friendships. I think I didn't realize how difficult it might be because as much of an interest as I have in creating new friendship circles and new communities, it also means I have to take inspired action, right? Like, like if I'm sitting on my couch on a Friday night, like no date is going to come to me, right? I still have to put myself in situations, in areas, on dating apps so that I am actually interacting and coming into contact with potential opportunities for dating, for friends, for experiences. And what I think has been really fascinating for me being a sales coach is to see all the parallels between what I teach my clients and what I know so certainly about sales and business and how it's absolutely parallel to anything I'm doing in building new friendships, dating, and getting myself out into new opportunities. And it's been a really cool thing to see and to also share with my clients and say, Hey, I know sales feels like this to you. Let me give you an analogy about dating and building new friends. And we're able to see the parallels between the two. So it's kind of like a take your own medicine kind of vibe, Nick. Like if you're teaching it because you know, it works so well in this area, because starting (laughs) conversations is where all the magic is, whether it's in sales or in dating or in friends, anything in life. The magic comes from starting conversation. So I think that's been really interesting to see. And, you know, to your question, it is a little harder than I realized it would be. Um, As adults, we're busy and we've gotten set in our ways. And I've even noticed that about myself where, you know, I told you I'm in an Airbnb. Well, if I'm not conscious of it or aware of it, I will sit here all day, every day with me and my dog doing my work, sitting at my computer because so much of what we do is virtual. So it can be done that way. And before I know it, two weeks will go by and I haven't really seen another person. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, this can't be the way that I enjoy living. Cause I like interacting with people. I like getting out and about. So it, it's just, I guess, being a, a aware of that as well. And, you know, going to a hotel lobby to do work for a day, going to a mm-hmm. co-working space, like, Cause it is important. I think connection is one of the things that not just because of the pandemic, but in general, I think we're missing in our lives. And I think it's creating a lot of unhappiness for people because I think we're really truly here to connect with others. And as a matter of fact, I heard it quoted on a podcast recently, uh, solitary confinement is like the worst 
I don't know how to articulate it the way that they said it on the podcast, but essentially the worst and hardest thing that anybody can go through and the suicide rate of all prisoners, 50% of that rate is made up by people that are in solitary confinement. And some of the things that they start doing and exhibiting when they're, they're in solitary confinement, I think we need to be aware when we're cutting ourselves off and we're isolating, we're essentially doing that to ourselves on some level. I resonate with this so much. I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I love being around people and then I need to hibernate for a little bit because I don't get energy from being around large groups of people. Like I'm better in smaller groups, like two to three. And so similarly, like I, when I was living in Atlanta, I loved my space. Like it was so nurturing to me because it was ceiling to floor windows and really expansive. So even though I was inside, I still felt like I was spacious, Mm -hmm. but I would realize like days would go by where sometimes I wouldn't even leave my apartment. I'm like, this is not like, there's like a fine line between like recharging your batteries Mm -hmm. and then isolating when it's like unhealthy. And like, I started to play with that and noticing like, wow, this is not the best. Like there is a balance between that. I'm getting ready to spend the holidays in, in California. And then I'm heading down to Mexico for a few months. And so I know that I know people there So I'm excited about that, but I don't know what's coming after that. And that's one of the things that I've been missing is that ability to go out on a Thursday and co-work with someone or, um, you know, be able to to build relationships on the fly because it's easy to do it virtually. I think as digital entrepreneurs, it's easier for us to build connection this way, like through a screen than Mm -hmm. um, most people. For most people, that's new for them. And Mm -hmm. so- I think the challenge is like actually being a human out in the real world sometimes. And so you mentioned that there are some parallels that you see between like teaching your clients around sales Mm -hmm. and applying that in the real world. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about the sales side of things and some of the things that you do in business. Yeah. So what would you say is like, what's one maybe parallel or analogy that's been like really present for you right now as you're kind of seeing the the balance between these two worlds? Yeah, I am going to say with one answer, one word, conversations. But I want to quickly, if I can, back up to something you said before. As digital entrepreneurs, you're right, we connect all day on screens with people. What I also came to realize, and I think this will resonate with a lot of people, is we are very often on one side or the other of a power dynamic. So it isn't necessarily true connection. Not not all of us all the time, but like in many ways, we are either coaching or being coached, Mm. serving or being served, right? You might not be a coach, but like in some way as a digital entrepreneur, you are providing some level of service and you are probably receiving services. Those aren't necessarily the connections that we also crave outside of business. We need like legit, like equal connections, right? With, with people that we can just laugh with or go shopping with, or go to the beach with not where we are giving or receiving some kind of value, just true connection and friendship. And I think that's where I was getting confused for a while because I was like all day, every day I'm chatting with people. I'm always around people virtually, but I also wasn't realizing, oh, most of the spaces I'm in are either I'm coaching those people or I'm a part of a group that's being coached. 
And so I think honoring and understanding that has made a big shift and a big difference for me because I've now forced myself to get out, meet people, start conversations with people who I'm not there to benefit or gain from other than the legit connection that we have of being friends and enjoying life together. Yeah. It is a very big difference. I'm glad that you kind of pinned that. Yeah. Well, cause it's like, I'm around people all day. What's wrong? What's going on? And then, you know, somebody actually even asked me, they were like, when's the last time you laughed until you cried? I don't know. When's the last time you went dancing with any of those people that you see online all day, every day? Don't. Mm-hmm. And those are two things that are really important. Laughing huge for me. Like I love to laugh dancing. I love to dance. And so when I realized there were desires that I have in me of, of just being the human being that enjoys life that I wasn't really honoring, it's like, Oh, okay. Those are actually the connections that I'm craving the most right now. And I I think really part of that too, that understanding, and this will kind of tie into the question you asked me about the parallels is understanding it's up to me to make that happen. Right? Like I can't just sit around and wish that, Oh, I wish I could go dancing tonight. Well, okay. There was one night where I said that and I didn't feel like going out and going anywhere. And my dear friend, she's um, a coach that like literally coaches people on joy. She was like, well, what could you do right where you're at right now to dance? So you know what I did, Melissa, I looked up a twerking video on YouTube and I did a twerking video by myself right here in my Airbnb. And you know what I did? Laughed until I cried because even though it was just me, I was like, if anybody saw me right now (laughs) doing this, I've never twerked in my life. And here I am, this woman's teaching me how to twerk. I'm doing it on my own. And I was cracking up. And so even in that moment, even though it wasn't around other people, I still had to make that happen. Right. And so I think a lot of times in sales and business, people are like, where are my clients? Where are my clients? Where are my clients? Well, let's use the analogy for a second dating. If I just sat around all day and I was like, where are my dates? Where are my dates? Where are my dates? Well, what am I doing to attract that into my world? What am I doing? Right? Like none of us are victims and nobody's coming to save us. Like we all get to save ourselves. We all get to choose whether or not we are going to save ourselves and create the life that we're looking to create. And I realized if I'm going to sit around and say, you know, cause people ask me all the time, why aren't you dating anybody? Oh, I'm a nomad. I'm traveling all the time. I'm da, 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 da. And then I finally had to be honest with myself. Well, I'm not actually putting myself in situations where that opportunity can present itself. And that's in sales, that's in dating, that's in friendship. So it's like, okay, well, it is in my control. So what can I do to attract those opportunities to me? I can't force anything. I can't make anything happen, but I can control the controllables. And what those are, are my actions, my Mm -hmm. habits, my awarenesses. And so I, and it was interesting, like I said, because I started to see, gosh, my clients who are asking, where are my clients might be doing the same thing I'm doing on a Friday night, sitting on my couch going, where are the guys that I want to date? And so I had to be more active on dating apps. I had to start putting myself into experiences that are happening in the area where I live in Nashville. I joined a local community of other women who were looking to build a a new social network. Um, And I found that because I started asking and I started conversations and I started finding out, hey, what's available in Nashville? Here's what I'm looking for. If you don't ask, you don't get. At the end of the day, you've got your success in life is directly related to not just the number of asks, but the number of quality asks. Like if I went down to Taco Bell and I was like, Hey, who do you know? Who's looking for a date? I'm probably not going to find no judgment, but like, I don't eat at Taco Bell. I'm probably not going to find somebody who might be the best fit for me. (laughs) If I go to Whole Foods 
that might be a different conversation, right? That's where I shop. That's a priority for me. So the quality ask is also important. But again, it goes back to if you don't ask, you don't get. If you don't ask, you never know. And I think that's where a lot of people in sales shy away and actually cut themselves out of opportunities because they're afraid to ask because they're afraid of being pushy. They're afraid of being salesy. And to me, it's like, well, where are you coming from with this? Are you trying to help somebody? Or you're trying to hurt them. Because to me, if you have something that could improve and change somebody's life, how are you being salesy? If you offer them that opportunity, mm. they get to say, no, if they don't want it, they get to say, Hey, tell me more. I might be interested if they're interested in it, or if they're a hard yes, right away, they're like, yes. But like, if you don't ask, you actually are doing both of you a disservice. Mm. It's so good. And where do you think that comes from? Like the feeling of like, I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to be pushy. And the fear of uh, behind the ask, like being our afraid to ask for sale. Our fear 100% of how other people perceive us, how they, th- because if, if you knew that somebody wasn't going to feel like you were being salesy, you wouldn't shy away from asking, you know, here's the thing. Anybody who has their own business that provides some kind of service to others started that business and offers that service because it has the potential to help the people who need it. So if you know that that's what, and and listen, if you started a business, because you're like, I just want to rip everybody off and make a bunch of money, then maybe, you know, this isn't right for you. Not maybe it's not right for you, but everybody I've ever met, all of my clients, all the people that I've met in this entrepreneurial space started doing what they're doing because they genuinely saw something that they know that they learned that they experienced. I, I often say, don't let your pain go to waste. They experienced some kind of pain and they worked their way through it. And now they get to turn around and help others who are in that same pain. So I don't know of anybody that I've ever come across that is doing what they're doing because they're trying to rip people off and take advantage of people. Everybody I've met has a pure hearted, authentic idea that can help other people. It can't help everybody. It's not right for everybody. But I think that fear really does come from a lot of different levels of like people pleasing, of worrying about how other people think about us, not wanting to be perceived in the wrong way. And at the end of the day, you're going to be perceived the wrong way, no matter what you do. Amen. Doesn't matter what you do. People, and I like to say this a lot, people get to be wrong about you and you can't change their mind doing anything other than living your best life in a way that authentically feels best for you, knowing that you are a heart-centered authentic, genuine person who's really just looking to help people. And you're not going to get upset and bent out of shape if it's not for everybody and they have some poor reaction to it. They get to have that reaction. And at the end of the day, um, I think that that's where we we hold ourselves back. We're worried about what other people are going to, I know that that's my, one of my biggest hangups. I'm a sales coach and I've done this for a while. And I still, if I go to post something sometimes online, I'm like, I don't know. And then I'll read it 17 more times and then I'll post it anyways. And then I'll read it 15 more times after I post it. Cause I'm like, who is this going to piss off? It's probably going to piss off some people. Well, you know what? It probably will. Right. But who is it going to help and serve that needed to hear it? There's probably going to be people on both sides of that. Some people are going to love it. They're going to need it. And here's where I think we all struggle is the people who needed it, who loved it, who read it are not necessarily the loudest ones. It's the ones who didn't like it, who want to fight against it or tell you that you're wrong. We hear a lot from maybe the negative side of things than we do the other. And so it it can be hard putting ourselves out there. It's a very vulnerable position and it can be really challenging. And I think that that's where a lot of that comes from. Like, what will this person think? 
I love this. And and it sounds a lot to me like just being in integrity of like knowing that it's really squeaky clean, that you're selling from a place of authenticity of not trying to be sleazy or selling snake oil or like imitating somebody else's program or their sales copy or their branding because, hey, what she's doing works. So let me copy that. Like I remember when I was in network marketing, what I loved about the model was that it was duplicatable, right? It was great because you could just take a system, rinse and repeat. But what ended up happening is you started to see a lot of imitation mm-hmm. of people just becoming like little versions of their upline. And and I remember I would be scrolling on Facebook and I would see a post that I thought was really incredible. And I'm like, wow, this moved me. And then I would see the exact same post Mm-hmm. five more times. Then I was like, oh, I was so disappointed. Mm-hmm. I was so disappointed that someone thought that in order for them to be successful, they couldn't be unique, that they had to like copy and paste someone mm-hmm. else's post, like verbatim, same emojis, everything. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny because I would see people post stuff and I'm like, that doesn't sound like you. You would never use those emojis. And it just always made me feel kind of icky. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying because to me, how it lands in my body is just like being fully in integrity of like, this is who I am and I'm in my own lane and I'm not imitating. I'm not copying. Like I know who I am and mm-hmm. not everybody's going to like it. Right. It, totally true. And I, I, to be fair, I also think I'm not saying that anybody should ever copy because at the end of the day, if they aren't your words, they're not going to resonate with the people. Like it's going to feel out of alignment. It's going to feel out of integrity. It's not going to have the same effect for you that it did for the other person. I will say this. I do think we all need examples before we know what we want. And, And the very basic example that popped in my mind when you were saying that is I remember when I was a sixth grader playing basketball and I was watching, I grew up in Ohio. I was watching these women that were on the Ohio state basketball team. And I tried to be like them. I wanted to, like, if there was a hesitation dribble that, you know, Marcy Alberts did, I was like, I want to learn how to do that hesitation dribble. Right. So it, it gives us things to aspire to be like, I think we are all walking permission slips for other people, but it's not from a place of let me be Marcy Alberts. She's already taken. Right. Let me be the best Nicole Kramer I can be. And if I take pieces and parts of what I like in other people and I allow that to be to to create a more fuller expression of me, the genuine me, then I'm using those examples in a way where I have integrity and I have good intent versus I'm just trying to mimic the other person. Because I agree with you. I think we see a lot of that, not just in network marketing, but in the coaching industry right now. We have people that are coaching the way that they were coached. Mm -hmm. And to a degree, I think we all have to try that out a little bit, but we still have to make it our own. We still have to personalize it. Yeah. There's a big difference between inspiration and imitation. Yep. Right. And so you can be inspired by something artistically or visually or even logistically and use that inspiration to spark creativity and innovation from a place of authenticity But then there's the watered down imitation that I think comes from imposter syndrome or a lack of confidence. And you think, oh, if I just copy and paste this person, then I'll have success, right? And you can only keep it up for so long, right? It's like, I guess what came to my mind when you were saying that is I remember when I was a high school math teacher, um, some kids would copy homework and some kids, but like it eventually, if that kid isn't in the class anymore or something like if you can't copy their work anymore, then the proof is in the pudding, then the truth comes out. Right. So eventually that person will be quote unquote caught 
uh, either their business won't be successful because it doesn't feel true and genuine and, and authentic to people, or they'll just stop knowing how to be who they need to be to create that experience because they never knew how to be that on their own anyways. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think imitation versus inspiration is a great distinction. Inspiration is awesome. Imitation, it, you're eventually going to get caught. I just think of like fake cheese. Like I eat vegan cheese, but I think of like imitation meat and it makes me want to barf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, funny. I will say this is not, I'm not, I'm paid by them at all, but like, I will say the impossible burger actually tricked me in a big way. Cause I've been vegan for a long time. And I went to, it, um, it's a California, uh, company, the fat burger it's fat brands is the company. Anyways, I ate there once because they said that they had a really good gluten-free vegan burger. And I was like, okay, let me try it. And I got it. And I was like, you guys gave me the wrong burger. And they were like, nope, it's real. So, but I agree with you. It's like, if you're going to eat it, eat the real thing. But, yeah. um, but yeah, the it, vegan cheese actually does many times, not that this is important on the podcast, but it kind of does the same thing that regular cheese does to me, which is why I don't eat it to begin with. But <laughs> imitation just so, isn't the same. No, it's just not the same. So what is the secret sauce to selling? Such a good question. In my mind, I'm like, can I wrap this all up in one word? Um, here's what selling is to me. I'll start with this. This is my definition. Building relationships with people and helping them solve their problems. That is like, really, if I had to give a very basic, what it's all about kind of definition, that's what it is. And I came up with that definition because years ago when I was in my corporate job, I was a very successful. So I went from being a high school math teacher to number one in the, in the nation in, in my sales job. And then it kind of, I don't know, I wasn't connected to it anymore. And even though I was number one and I had all these accolades, it was like, I'm not feeling it. And what I realized is I had made my goal of being number one so important. I'd built a lot of relationships in getting there, but my ego was attached to that identity and I had actually lost the connection to what it was all about. And so I had like kind of a dark night of the soul moment. And I was like, okay, what was this all about for me before I was good at it? Before I was number one in the nation, when I was just little old me new to sales, what got me out of bed? Well, what got me out of bed was the fact that I got to connect with people each day, build relationships and help them with something that they couldn't help themselves with. I sold something that they needed and I couldn't think of any better person in the world for them to buy it from because I had integrity. I gave a shit about them and their account. And there was nobody that was going to be better than me to help them. So that's where I really got in touch with what it's all about is building relationships. It's relational. It's not transactional. I think a lot of people, when they get the salesy mindset or the icky feelings about sales, it's they've allowed themselves to buy into too much of the transactional nature of sales. And it really is about relationships. And the other way I like to define it is like, you're a professional mind maker upper. That's what you are. You're not a, I have no problem with persuasion. I have no problem with, with convincing all of those things to me are just ways that you can help someone make the decision, right? It's like somebody recently was saying to me that persuasion and ma manipulation are bad things. And I said, that's like saying fire is a bad thing what are you using the fire for? Are you going to go burn somebody's house down? Or are you going to warm up their house, right? What you use the tool for, because I, I do teach persuasion. I teach people how to influence a conversation so that they get the outcomes that they want, but it's not just the outcomes that they want. They have to be mindful and, and genuinely care about the other person so that you're getting to the best outcome for both. And to me, it's like, 
that's why you are a professional mind maker upper. You learn tools, you learn phrases, you learn techniques so that you understand how to influence and persuade in a conversation because it's like what we said earlier. I haven't met anybody yet that's selling shit on a stick. I haven't met anybody yet that's like from a, a cold heart that's just trying to rip people off. They all legit have something that can help somebody. And so what you're doing is you're help somebody, helping somebody make up their mind. And sometimes you're helping them make up their mind to yes. And sometimes you're helping them make up their mind to no. But at the end of the day, you've not left anyone in a better position after a conversation unless you've helped them get to a decision. And sometimes mm. the decision is no right now. Or sometimes it's no at all. But I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize either. You're not trying to always get somebody to a yes, right? We're not coming from a lack mindset. You don't need every person in the world to be your customer. You want the right people that's also right for them to enter into this opportunity. And when you learn how to use your words to influence and impact a conversation in a way that serves both of you then you really are showing up prepared to the conversation to truly help somebody make a decision. And I think it's important to remember sometimes that decision is no, because it's not the best decision for both of you at that time. Right. I think what's interesting when I'm in sales conversations is sometimes people have a hard time saying no. They're like, well, I want to do it, but let me think about it. I just need to make sure that like I can make a smart decision financially or that I'm going to have the time available. Mm -hmm. So how do you walk somebody through the, I'm not sure I need to think about it objection? I tend to be courageously <laughs> direct in a very kind and compassionate way. So some of the things that I teach to my clients are you always want to come from curiosity. Curiosity is the fuel for a great conversation. Curiosity is how you show somebody that you care. You also really want to be building empathy, right? These are all things that I teach as an exactly what to say certified guide. Like you want to come from that energy of curiosity in the conversation. So one of the things that I like to be very bold about, I'll give you a quick example. In that scenario, if somebody's hesitating saying yes, but they've identified, I know I want to do this. I'm just not sure. You know, it's like, well, let's start here just out of curiosity. Why isn't this a no for you right now? Or I'm hearing that there's some interest that you feel like this is something that you really want to do. Why won't you just tell me no? Or I'll, I'll say, I'm hearing there's some interest in wanting to do this, but I'm hearing there's also some fears and maybe some hesitation. So why won't you just tell me no right now? What's keeping you in the game, essentially, is what I'm asking. Because if somebody knows for sure it's not right for them, they'll give me a hard no. Mm. Or they should, right? Mm. We should all, we're adults. We should all be able to communicate like, hey, this isn't the, it doesn't feel right for me. It doesn't feel aligned for me. It doesn't feel like what I want to do right now. Cool. I can buy that. I can deal with honesty. But when somebody's hemming and hawing, when somebody's on the fence of like, I don't know, what I know in that moment, what I've learned and what I teach my clients is they've already made a decision. They've made a decision. What they have not done in that moment is given themselves permission to make the decision. Mm -hmm. Because if they hadn't decided that they want this, they would have decided that they don't. Mm, and yeah. they could very easily say, this doesn't feel like the right fit for me right now. So I just like to ask it as is. Like, I'm hearing that there's a big party that wants to do this and there's maybe some hesitation. Why won't you just tell me no? Mm -hmm. Or sometimes I'll say, I'm hearing that there's a part of you that really does want to do this. And there's a part of you that's a little fearful. Which version of you would you like me to support in this conversation? Oh, I love that. 
right? Like asking their permission. I don't want to pull somebody over the line. It's not good for me. It's not good for them. If you are entering into a container to work with me, it needs to be because you are lit up excited about doing it. That doesn't mean that there aren't hesitations. That doesn't mean that there aren't objections. That doesn't mean that there aren't fears, but you know, without a doubt that you want to be there and you're willing to get over those fears. And in that moment, when I ask that question, I'm asking which version of them they'd like me to support because I can support them getting through those fears. If it feels too much, that's okay. If this is a no for you right now, I totally understand it. I want to leave you better after this conversation than you were when we got here. And if you now know that this isn't an option for you right now, then you're free to go find an option that will work for you right now. Mm -hmm. So I want to help you get that clarity. Mm -hmm. And if you really want some support in making this happen, I'm happy to support you on that side of things as well. Mm -hmm. Because then what I'm saying is help me help you. Right. You tell me what you want and I'll, co- because here's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that first sales conversation, that discovery call, whatever you want to call it, right? It's a coaching call, right? not a coaching call from you're giving them free advice and free recommendations and free stuff. Yeah. Make some recommendations, do the thing, make the call valuable, right? That's something that I teach. I won't elaborate on now, but I teach inside of my programs, like make sure that there's value on the call for somebody and make sure that on that call, like on that conversation, you understand your role and your role is to help them make a decision. Your role is to coach them through how to make a hard decision. Because here's the thing for anybody who's listening to this, I want you to hear me out. You're going to have to make them uh, or help them make a lot of hard decisions. Once they say yes to coaching with you, it's not all shits and gigs. It's not like, okay, cool. I paid the money. Here we are. They've still got to make some really important changes, some adopt new lifestyle habits and, and, and different things that they're going to have to do that are going to feel uncomfortable, that are going to feel hard. And you better believe that they are going to give you objections and resistance to a lot of it. You have become a coach because you like helping people through those challenges. The first opportunity you have to do that is in their decision to make the investment to work with you. You better believe that's what you're doing. You're doing the same thing you're going to do once they're inside of your container. And if you can't do it then, then why do you think that you would be a strong enough coach for them once they're in your container? Mic drop. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. So we're taught, we're speaking now in the context of what you, you mentioned, like an enrollment call or a discovery call. And I'm seeing uh, a trend of high performing, we'll call it high performing coaches that no longer do discovery calls. They're mm-hmm. like, either you're either you buy or you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on this sort of like sales strategy of like, oh, if you want to buy, here's the link. And if you don't, that's fine, but I'm not going to get on the phone with you to like answer questions. We don't do, we don't do sales calls. Yeah. I, well, first I'll say this. I think it depends on what you're selling. If you're selling a low price point product and it's literally just a DIY kind of scenario. No, there's, there's not a sales call is not needed for every transaction. So if it's something that like right now I have a sale going on for my birthday and it is a DIY course, I don't need to get into a conversation. There's no interaction with me. Well, there's, there's a call that they get with it, but essentially to me, that doesn't require a discovery call. I can't say that I wouldn't still get on a call with somebody if they wanted to, because to me, there's value in building that relationship and and having that conversation in many ways. So from that point of view, not everything necessarily needs a sales call, but at the same time, I can't imagine inviting somebody to work with me without having a conversation. It's like saying, here's my Calendly link to set up a date with me decide if you want it or not. Well, like who 
am I going on this date with? Right? Like as coaches, and I'm, I'm assuming many people that are listening are coaches or service entrepreneurs of, of, of some kind, right? You are going to be interacting with these people a lot. Don't you want to also qualify them and make sure that they are right for I care about my people. I care about their results. I care about the rapport that I build with them. And to me, why would I turn away from having a conversation with them, building that relationship? Many of my clients have been in my world for years because they truly feel connected and close to me. And I've also, I've signed up for things before where I didn't have a sales call with the person before I signed up. And I don't have anything bad to say about the course, but what I will say is I never really felt a connection to that coach. Mm-hmm. There was nothing to me that made me want to stick around. Mm-hmm. Again, the course was great. The course was valuable, but I never, ever had a true conversation with that person. So I just think from a relationship perspective and understanding, you know, that my definition of sales is all about build relationships with people, help them solve their problems, that especially if you're getting into high price point products, like if you're selling a mastermind for 20 K get on the call. Right. And it also, to me, protects the other people in the container. Right. I'm sure we've all had our fair share of a client where we're like, ah, now we're going with that person again. And so I think keeping the stakes high, the qualification process uh, in integrity with what I'm looking for to bring into a container is not just important to me and to the person, but to the other people who have invested in me. Yeah. Right. People are making big investments to work with me. You better believe I want to protect the container so that everybody's showing up um, as the right fit and in integrity with what we're all working on together. I love that. So early on in the call, you mentioned one boldly courageous thing that you're doing is kind of like shifting into like this new paradigm of business. So what does that look like for you? Hmm. God, I wish I knew. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's it. It's like, I can see one step ahead and it makes me think of this quote that I read once. It's like, faith is like literally just, I'm going to botch the quote. I don't remember what it was, but I I have the visual of it in my mind. It's like, I'm holding a candle and all I can literally see is the next step. And the candlelight is only shining enough for me to see the next step and then the next step and then the next step. And that's kind of what I feel that it is right now. And as I shared with you before we started recording, what I'm very aware of now that I would not have been aware of years ago in my life is based on the level of growth and personal development I've gone through. I'm aware that what's showing up for me are the signs of the up level. And what I mentioned to you before was things like feeling stuck feeling frustrated, having physical pain show up for me. Those are all things that I'm now aware are signs of, Ooh, there's an up level going on. My, my, the universe is trying to point my attention in another direction. Mm -hmm. And in other times in my life where I've gone through up levels, I didn't know it. And I let things get really, I let my body get to the point where it was screaming at me before I did something. Right. And now I know, even though I feel stuck in some ways, I'm actually not. And it's a huge invitation from the universe to step into and surrender to what's being presented to me, the up level, and just trusting that I don't need to know all the steps. I just need to know the next right one. And yes, that's scary as shit quite a few times. Um, And I also think it's important to the process. Like I can't, faith is not doing things when everything's going right. And when you feel certain faith is like when shit doesn't feel like it's going right at all and things feel scary or hard, it's like, can I find the faith to keep going? So to answer your question, I will say a lot of probably what outside looking in 
is going to be is like, wait, she said it was an up level, but she's doing more of the same. A lot of it's like, I'm not leaving the sales world. I'm not leaving teaching people how to have better conversations. As a matter of fact, that's a big part of the elevation is that I'm getting even more niche down and specific on sales conversations. Up to this point, I've been a sales coach, mm. which is really, it's like saying I'm a science teacher. Well, there's a lot of different parts of science, right? Or I'm a math teacher. Well, let me get really specific in the area of math I'm best at and it's geometry. Okay, now I'm doing that with sales. You know what? I see a huge need for it. Over the four years now that I've been a business owner and a sales coach, I can't tell you how many times people come to me and they're like, I just want to know what to say. I just want to have better conversations. I want to get more of the outcomes that I want from my conversations. I want more certainty. I want to have a formula that I can follow so that when I get into these discovery calls, AKA sales conversations, that I know how to handle myself. And, you know, it's like, okay, I've heard it enough now to know there's a huge need for this. And so for me, a big part of the up level is stepping into or owning my true area of expertise. Cause I will say, I love sales. If we want to talk generically about it, I've been extremely successful in sales where I love serving the most is helping people know what to say so that they they get the outcomes that they want. I love that. I, I think that, you know, we hear that term all the time, like niche down, niche down, and then you can go broad. But mm-hmm. I think what you're highlighting is something really important for people to hear is that it feels exciting and fun for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's the area that you want to drill down into. And so yeah. while it might on the outside feel like you're restricting and like cutting off parts of your business, what you're really doing is further aligning with like energetically the things that feel the most expansive and that's attraction marketing. You become yeah. magnetic, right? And people are like, oh, wow. Cause they can hear it in your voice and they can see it going back yep. to what we were talking about before, it really is that confidence and that integrity of like, I'm, I walk my talk and like, so excited about it that like, you can't help but be magnetic. Yep. People just want to be around that. So I love Well, that. and I think you bring up a really good point and I'm going to add to my answer earlier. You were like, you know, what, what is sales all about or what can you wrap it all up? And I said, conversations that's 100% still the case and confidence. Mm-hmm. confidence and conversations. And that confidence comes from exactly what you just said, Melissa, getting so dialed in, dialed into the, th- I mean, I'm sure you could probably even see, and people that are listening can hear my energy picked up. Cause I can feel it. When I start talking about sales conversations, I get really, really excited because I know that's my area of mastery. That's where I can serve people at the highest level. If you're coming to me to ask me about lead gen, There's better people you can go to for that. Is lead gen a part of sales? Absolutely. Growing your audience should be something you're doing daily. It's not my area of expertise because I don't enjoy it as much. It's not where I shine. And where I do shine is many of my friends call me the closer. Like I love sales language and conversations. I love sales psychology, understanding what makes somebody else buy, how you get them to that point through your words, through your conversation. That shit lights me up. And, you know, for anybody who's listening, I think this will really benefit them because you mentioned something really important. Everybody always says niche down, niche down, niche down. Yes. I was told years ago that I should niche down into discovery calls that I, even back then I was known as the closer and people were like, you should do this. And I was like, no, no, there's no need for it. Like it felt too restrictive to me. I was like, I'll be a sales coach. And with experience, and I'm a great sales coach, I've had many, many clients be very successful. But with that experience, I started to to truly own and understand 
oh, that is where I'm best. It, it's yeah. like, if I say I'm a basketball coach, yeah. well, there's a lot of things, but like, if I say I'm a shooting coach, yes, a lot of people need that help and support improving their shot. You, you don't walk around saying I need to be better at basketball, which pieces of basketball do you have the biggest opportunity to improve in? And when I realized if somebody's saying I need to get better at sales, I need to know specifically where you need to get better in order to help you. And I need to understand where I'm the true expert. And that's what a couple of years of experience have really shown me. So for anybody who's listening, yes, niche down, but give yourself, there's no better teacher than experience. So give yourself the experience of starting broad, seeing how it goes. You're probably going to have a little bit more trouble gaining traction at first, if it's really broad, but you'll start to narrow down and niche down. And when you see what people are coming to you for over and over and over again, you'll, you'll niche down over time. You'll get more and more specific over time and you'll understand where your true area of expertise is. And when you understand that, be willing to go there. Mm. Mic drop again. <laughs> so obviously, yes, you are clearly the woman for these sales conversations because you are, you're like, you're magnetic, you're excited about it. People, I can feel it. Right. Um, and I'm sure our listeners can too. So if they want more Nicole Kramer in their life, where can they get in touch with you? How can they get in your world? Like all the things. Yeah. So I am a couple of different places. I have an Instagram account at the Nicole Kramer and would love to connect there. And I also have a couple of resources on sales conversations. So if anybody wants to send me a DM there, I am happy to send you a free gift that will help you with your sales conversations. I also have a Facebook group called Nicole's Sales Superstars. That is for women in entrepreneurship who are looking to become better at selling and sales conversations. And then I'm on Facebook, Nicole Kramer. I love that. So last question, what are you celebrating right now? Well, my birthday's on Sunday. Does that count? I've started yes. my birthday celebrations early. <laughs> yes, of course that counts. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I actually related it to my business because I thought, well, let me sell something not for Black Friday, but for my birthday. Like I'll make it about, you know, celebrating me and, and my birthday and giving everybody a great deal on an opportunity. And so that's a big celebration. And I think, I guess more than anything, I'm celebrating that I'm aware that what I'm going through is an up level and that although it still feels really uncomfortable, uh, growing pains are a real thing that I'm aware and I'm able to maybe experience it a little bit differently than I have with some other messy up levels in the past. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for your energy your passion, your knowledge, your wisdom. There's so many good nuggets from this conversation that I loved how you did the analogy of being a science teacher, but teaching on like one specific thing. Like I, I that anchored in so deeply for me. Good. Um, I love that. So if you guys love this episode, please share it, tag myself, tag Nicole on Instagram. Let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Nicole, thank you. I appreciate you. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.